This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 20, going through the end of chapter 9. We've been studying for the past couple of weeks this one week break. The one time so far in the history of the world when God's patience ran out and he judged the earth for its wickedness. And it should serve as a word of caution to us. It's what it's meant for. Not because we are being in danger of being swept away by God's wrath if we are in Christ, but because we need the reminder that even for us who are in Christ, that judgment is coming. There is a judgment day coming for all of us. And while those who are in Christ will never, ever perish, we will give an account for our conduct here on earth. Even every word we've spoken. My friends, justice demands that sin be accounted for. While our debt is paid by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, the day of judgment. Because it will be revealed by fire, and fire will test what sort of work each one has done. That's talking to us. If the work that anyone has done on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15. So as we see the waters of God's judgment sweeping away the wicked from the earth, know that because we are saved in Christ does not mean we get to skip out on the judgment day. Judgment comes for us all. And so to go with what Paul is saying, I'll ask you this. Noah built an ark. What are you building? What are you building? What are you building and what is your life's work so that when the day of judgment comes, when the fire reveals the quality of what you have invested in, what are you working for? Let's look now at Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. I'll read through chapter 9. This is after the flood and Noah has exited with his family. The Noah built an altar to the Lord... And took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah. And his sons. And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And, I, and as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. You shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. For your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply. Team on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your seed after you 
And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, every beast of the field with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth when I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Then the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil and planted himself a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it both on their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards. They did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. Servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and may let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. As soon as Noah exits the ark, he builds an altar to worship the Lord. And the Lord makes a covenant with Noah. And we need to talk a little bit about what a covenant is. Normally, covenant is an agreement between two parties, like in marriage. In marriage, we promise to love and honor and cherish one another until death parts us. And when we join the church, New Covenant, we also agree to certain promises. We make covenants with one another to pray for each other, to attend church functions and events, to foster love and fellowship, to be held accountable and to hold others accountable that the name of Christ might not be shamed and that we might also grow and prosper in the word of the Lord. However, the covenant promises in the Old Testament are often different than the covenants we make. And the reason that they're different is because the covenant, uh, the covenant that God makes with Eve is different, for example. He makes a covenant with her that through her seed the serpent shall be crushed. And here too the covenant is different. Different. God will never again sweep away all life with a flood like the one in Noah's day. And so the reason it's different is to ask yourself the question, what is Eve's part of the bargain? What does she have to do? What's her end of the covenant? What's Noah's end of the covenant? They, they made no promise. God makes a covenant with them without requiring a single thing from them that his word might be fulfilled. God is very wise to do this because whatever he laid upon the people to keep the covenant, they would break it. 
This is why when we will study in a few weeks when Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac and God stops him, he says, I swear by myself because there is no one greater that I will make the promise of your children being like the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea and the seed of promise coming through you. It will happen. I swear by myself. Because if he had sworn with us, we would have broken covenant. God even makes the promise to the creatures of the earth. As you'll notice here, each time the covenant is presented, it's very careful to outline in detail that God makes this covenant also with the beasts of the earth. And there's a couple of things that we need to think about that from uh, implication is, number one, God does care about the beasts of the earth. And two, perhaps there is more to the beasts of the earth than we would think about. We are to be stewards of the earth, and that includes taking care of the creatures that are here. The God of the universe says that we may use them for food however we may wish, but that does not mean we can be cruel and indifferent to their lives. So the Lord makes a covenant with Noah, with all the beasts of the earth, at the moment he exits the ark. And Noah's first impulse when he exits from the ark and goes through the waters of judgment is to worship the Lord. And he makes to the Lord a costly sacrifice. I say it's costly because he only had seven of each clean thing on that boat and he sacrificed some of them to the Lord. Noah worshipped the Lord the moment he exited the ark. However, another thing we need to notice here, the flood did not solve man's wickedness. The flood waters did not cleanse our soul. Look again very carefully with what God says here in verse 21 of chapter 8. I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is post-flood judgment. The Lord sees those eight people exit the ark, and he says, intentions are still evil. I'm not going to flood the world again because of the evil intentions of man's heart or I might as well just stop. God sees that man's heart is still filled with evil. So why did God have the flood in the first place? Why save Noah? I do not know why God's judgment broke out at this time. I don't know why. But I do know that he saved Noah because he wanted to save Noah. And that is the only reason. Not because Noah was perfect. Noah was not perfect. He was still a sinner, and he had the exact same sinful condition of every other person that was swept away in the floodwaters of judgment. The good news is that righteousness, as God declares Noah to be righteous, does not depend upon the works of Noah, but upon the grace of God. It means that Noah himself was given grace. So what does it mean to be a righteous person? It means that Noah was repentant. It means that he was not perfect, but it means that he did agree with God. That sin was sin, and that sin was in him. He agreed with God that sin is sin, and that sin was in him. That he himself was a sinner. And that is enough for Noah to be declared righteous before God. God looks at Noah and his family after the flood, says the intention of their heart is still evil. But the repentant will inherit the earth. So just know this. First of all, Salvation of Noah is not dependent upon his works, but upon his faith in God and the grace that comes from God. And secondly, it is as bad today as it has ever been. The intentions in the hearts of the people are wicked now, just like they were then. 
We are still in need of God's mercy and judgment. We are in need of his judgment. We are in need of his mercy and judgment today just like we ever have been. And if the world rocks on for a thousand more generations, it's still going to be the same. And I believe that in our day and age, it is as clear today that we are sinful as it has ever been. We have the unique opportunity to hear the opinions of everybody. (laughs) Nobody's ever had this opportunity before. Never before have you been able to go somewhere where you can literally hear the whole world screaming at each other. But if you have anything on social media, you may be privy to all the dumbness of mankind. It is clear. We can't agree on anything. I put a, I tweeted the other day because I'm so profoundly wise. Because everybody needs to know what I think, right? That's why we have Twitter. It's for my thoughts. I mean, isn't that why it's popular? because everybody thinks they got something to say. Of course I have something to say. I said, no matter what your opinion is, just remember this. There's a thousand people on Twitter ready to say that you're an idiot for thinking that thing. And you have to remember that. Because as you read the opinions of others, even if you're like somebody that only reads stuff and you see people getting yelled at for stuff that you think, just remember, there's a 10 billion people on earth and everybody's shouting at each other. That's because we're sinful, selfish. We don't know how to dialogue. We want the attention to be on us. We are messed up. Righteousness does not depend upon our perfection, however, but the repentance and faith makes us righteous before the Lord. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you can find all kinds of wickedness out there today. Boldly declared and shamelessly done. I want to also tell you that there are no good old days. Sorry. Whenever we start talking about the good old days, all we're doing is sanitizing the sin of that generation. Every single generation is wicked. There are no good old days. There will be no good old days. Not until Jesus comes back. We'll just sin in different ways. One thing might get better, but other things get worse. Such is the fate of the world when sinful man is still its stewards. As long as the earth remains, the sins of man will haunt our steps and work against the goodness of God in this world in creation. It will not reveal his glory as it should. That's what makes God's grace so beautiful here in this passage and forever because God keeps loving us, pursuing us, correcting us, and keeping us despite the things that we do. He has never given up on his people, and he never will. God here sets forth protections for man from endless violence. He puts the fear of Man upon every beast of the field that they might not often eat and devour him. That may seem silly to us here in America because, you know, we've about killed everything that can kill us here. But in other parts of the world, there's creatures out there that will get you, man. I saw one today. This is just a side note. Do not try to take a selfie with the bear. Okay? If I, I might save somebody's life. You might be in Yellowstone. Get out of your car and think, I'm going to take a selfie with this grizzly bear. And the words of Brother Brad come to you. Brother Brad said, don't take selfies with bears. I'm serious. It ends poorly. Don't do that. If God had not put the fear of God on these creatures, they could have devoured us. 
Not only did he put the fear of the Lord on creatures, but also on one another. He says that the blood of man will be required from beasts. In the Old Testament, if you look, if a bull gores a man to death, it's put to death. Same thing goes with a person. A person clubs a man to death, they are put to death. Why does that work that way? Because the image of God, whoever sheds the blood of man. And by the way, the only reason God has to give this command post-flood is because he knows people are going to kill each other. He still sees the murderous intention of hearts. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And I've said this before, I say it again, until it is in our hearts and every interaction you make with others is guided by this. An attack on an image bearer of the king is an assault upon the king himself. And every last human being is made in the image of God. It does not matter what color, how high the IQ is, how much money they have. Every single person is made in the image of God. And an assault upon that person is an assault on the king himself. We are not allowed to treat people poorly. This is why Paul tells us over and over again to honor one another more than we honor our own selves. Every single person is made in the image of God. Romans 13, we see that God hands this power of capital punishment over to the rightful governing authority, not as a tool for men's personal revenge, but as justice that comes from the servant as if the government itself is the servant of the Lord. This is why we have capital punishment. God is setting forth laws to protect us, not only from the beasts, but from one another. And he's saying, don't, when he says, don't kill one another, like that would just be bad. Don't kill one another. He says, don't kill each other because I made you in my image. And that thought and that truth should guide not only murder, Jesus says what? You know, you're, danger, you're in danger of hellfire if you call your brother a fool. Remember, your brother and your sister are made in the image of God. So if you think about how often we assault each other with false words or meanness or cruelty, and every single time we do that and sin against our brothers and sisters, it is an assault upon God himself. It is no wonder then that we can say with great accuracy that the world is still filled with wickedness. God protects sinful people from endless violence. And I love here that at the end of this long journey, he's in this, by the way, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Noah wasn't just in the boat for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in there for over a year, floating around with no rudder. There's no rudder on the ark. They're not on a sightseeing tour. The Bible says everywhere he looked, he saw water. He is floating in a box, basically, for a year. And when he gets off of it, he's grateful. And he worships the Lord. His first impulse upon disembarking is to worship the Lord. God praised, He praised God for the deliverance of his family and for himself. And so, at the end of this sermon, my friends... I want to help you recall the gracious covenant that God has with you and with me to bless you and to keep you and to make you safe. One day Noah was minding his own business 
And God came to him and said, The stench of the sin of the world has filled my nostrils. I can no longer bear it. Make for yourself an ark. Get your children on board. For the end of all flesh has come. And what the Lord would say to us today through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the book of Revelation, through Daniel and everything else, one day, the end of all flesh is coming again. And only those who enter safely into the ark of Christ will be safe when the wrath of God falls. Now, you're not going to have to build for yourself a ship. The Lord has already built that in Christ, and there's enough room in him for everyone to make it safe. But he does ask you as his image bearer and the one made in his image to go out and invite others to get into this ark. To live in such a way that people would desire to be in Christ, not only to be saved from the wrath of God, but be saved to the love of God. We're not only avoiding God's wrath, we are entering into God's favor. We are entering into a place where we learn not to sin against each other anymore. Not to let the world be just about us, but about others. And the worship of the great King of Kings. And so what we're trying to build here now that we're in the ark is a way for others to be able to enter into the ark. As the Word of God says, we're supposed to snatch others like they're fiery brands from the fire. We're supposed to teach our children about the Word of the Lord that they too might be safe and sound in Christ. When the ark of Jesus Christ brings you safely through the flood of God's wrath right to the feet of the Father into the very throne room of Almighty God, what will you do when you disembark? You will worship. But the question I have for you today is this. Will your works stand the test? Before the Lord. When John sees Jesus in Revelation, his eyes are flames of fire. His eyes will pierce your soul. and He will see your works. You will be tried before him in that day, in that instant. And what will you have? Friends, do not be distracted by the things of the world. By the things that we love here so much. If we do not do it for the glory of God, we should not do it at all. Invest your life into the church of Jesus Christ. That we might ever expand and push forward into the world of darkness. That others might enter into this ark before the terrible wrath of God falls. This is our call as Christians. This is our duty as Christians. And from eight people, God populated the earth. From this church... Right here. It's my dream. God can populate the earth with people saved through Christ. I am not just saying that. I mean it. Why don't we try it? Why don't we try to reach the world from right here? Work with all of our might to see that as many as we possibly can can be trained in the word of the Lord. Can be brought into the ark of Christ, that they might be everlasting saved so that one day when we stand before the throne of Jesus, we will have gold and silver and precious stones to offer to the king the works that we have done for his name's sake.
Let's pray.